Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, I'm Sophie Ellis-Bexter, and welcome to Spinning Plates, the podcast where I speak to busy working women who also happen to be mothers about how they make it work. I'm a singer, and I've released seven albums in between having my five sons aged 16 months to 16 years, so I spin a few plates myself. Being a mother can be the most amazing thing, but can also be hard to find time for yourself and your own ambitions. I want to be a bit nosy and see how other people balance everything. Welcome to Spinning Plates. Good day to you. Golly, I don't know what's happening where you are, but I'm walking back through the park after dropping the kids at school and it's beautiful. It's a proper, happy, sunny spring day. Absolutely loving it. And I've been having a really nice week, actually. Pretty easy going. I've been doing loads of podcasts because last week in the studio I was firing off emails asking people, like a woman possessed and I've been slotting them on my diary and it's been really nice actually just lots of really nice chats thank you very much um and this week was really special actually because Lorraine Kelly came over to my house and I have been a fan of Lorraine for so long I think she's awesome she's smart she's an incredible broadcaster watching her when she does the live tv is so impressive because she just runs a very tight ship and makes it look really effortless and she sort of glides along. Even though there's a voice in her ear, there's difficult, different things to juggle. She's just very, very good at it. And I agree with a lot of what she says. And uh, yeah, so I've always enjoyed watching her and always been very happy when I've gone in to be interviewed by her. And it was nice to turn the tables and invite her over and have a good chat just one of those people, as soon as she walked in, she was like, ask me whatever you want, we can talk about whatever you want. And so we did. A really lovely conversation where I was doing lots of emphatic nodding. She said lots of very sensible, cool things. So yeah, I think you're going to love it. And when Lorraine first came round, we spent a little bit of time as I was making a cup of tea for us both, um, talking about Deborah James, aka Bow Babe. So I wanted to mention it because, I don't know if you remember, but I spoke to Deborah. I think it was actually pretty much this time last year. And it was a lovely conversation. I really, really, really like Deborah. I think she's such a lovely, impressive, warm, motivated woman. And we spoke about how her bowel cancer diagnosis had affected lots and lots of things. And she now, this week, uh, so now I'm talking to you now. What day of the week is it? Blimey, it's Thursday. Um, so this, earlier this week, she put up a post about how she was now moving to palliative care. Now, obviously, that's very shocking 
news and upsetting, especially for so many people, so many hundreds of thousands of people who followed her story and got to know her through things like her podcast with Yumi and the Big C and her involvement with Lorraine Kelly because she does um, a campaign with Lorraine called No Butts, all about, you know, how to check yourself for any signs of bowel cancer. So basically lots of people know her, lots of people are incredibly fond of Deborah and she's now talking very openly about being at the end of the road in terms of her treatment and about the fact that that means she's dying and... Obviously, that's not a conversation we're very good at having, but she's just handled it in such an incredible way, not least by setting up the Deborah James Foundation, also known as the Bow Babe Fund, which is feeding into three cancer charities. And her goal was to raise a quarter of a million. And when I checked this morning, it was well over three million, which has really moved me because obviously it's an incredible amount of money. What a success to raise so much. But obviously also it means, it means love. It means people are thinking of her and caring about her and wanting to, she said, basically donate the cost of a drink to see me off. So what a massive cheers to Deborah that is. Anyway, so De- Lorraine and I were talking about that, so I wanted to mention it. I'm sure you guys are already aware of all of this stuff, but if you did want to check out the fund, which probably by the time this is published next week is probably going to be... I don't know, double that. People are being incredibly generous. Anyway, the birds are tweeting. The sky is blue. The sun is shining. I'm going to try and take some philosophy from Deborah's take. You know, live life to the fullest and enjoy the moment. And I'm very happy that the the guest with uh, guest chat with Lorraine was so positive and upbeat because that's exactly the tonic that uh, we all we all could do it with. So yeah. Over to you, Lorraine. See you on the other side. Um, thank you for coming over. It's really lovely to see you. <laughs> and I know there's lots of things we're going to talk about. So I might as well start with the here and now. I actually want to start with a practical question. What time do you have to get up for your programme every day? Do you know, it's not too bad. Mm. When I used to do it years ago, when I used to do the six o'clock show, you used to have to get up at three in the morning. And the studios then were at TVAM in Camden. And there's nothing more soul destroying than coming into your work and everybody else is going home from a brilliant night out, like they've all been clubbing <laughs> and in the pub. <laughs> you're just going to your work so now it's not too bad but half five which is okay i think half five is still pretty early well it's getting towards (laughs) normality a little bit but a lot of the show now because obviously it's changed over the years since i've been doing it but a lot of it now we do on the day so in the morning we just need a little bit more prep time just to see what's happening and we tend to sort of try and be more news reactive and 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 talk about things that are happening especially overnight you know if things mm. have, say there's been an award ceremony overnight or something's happened in the US or there's been a breaking news story or a, or something like that we we always tend I don't call them gaps in the show call them opportunities <laughs> Okay. <laughs> we've got an opportunity rather than oh god we've got eight minutes to fill you know so yeah but we do quite a lot in the day and I like that mm. I like I like that I think it's good so has your how's your relationship with with journalism is it still the same as it has been it's changed I mean I'm so glad when I started that we didn't have social media gosh we didn't even have mobile phones that's how old I am for goodness sakes I don't think it's like you're so old it's just a crazy idea because <laughs> of not it's having so it the much world. Yes, how we get yes, our information we didn't, we didn't have the internet so in the morning when I was a, a correspondent in the morning I would do my, my checks which they were called so I would phone up the police fire brigade you know all of the big all my contacts in the morning to find out what was going on what's happening today or did anything happen overnight what's been happening here whereas now you would just go on Twitter or Google or whatever, you know, to find out what was going on on our news site. And we didn't have 24-hour news either. So oftentimes, if if a story broke overnight or late at night, the first time people would hear about it would be on breakfast telly. Mm. And I was the correspondent for TVAM covering Scotland. And if you got called out in the middle of the night, it was usually, you know, it's never going to be somebody winning the lottery. It's going to be something horrible. But it was, I'm glad that I grew up in that time because I didn't have the pressures of social media. And I think that would be very difficult. I feel... You know, I've got huge sympathy for anybody. It doesn't matter whether they're in the public eye or not or whatever they do. But growing up with that pressure must be 
really hard, actually. I was able to make my mistakes, Sophie. I was able to, you know, nobody was taking pictures of me at a disco when I was 15, you know, doing something silly and putting it on Facebook. Nobody did that with me. And oh my goodness me, they could have. So I'm just glad I didn't have that. Yeah, me too, actually. Very, very (laughs) frankly. And also about them making mistakes, I think. And you should be allowed to make mistakes. It's like nowadays nobody's allowed to make mistakes. Because it's the only way you learn. Of course it is. And you should, we're all human beings, we're all fallible. And, you know, you, you should be able to make a mistake and then say, sorry, you know, and, and then get on with the rest of your life instead of it hanging around your neck all the time. It's not fair. No, I know. I think um, I, I've got a real um, fascination with the sort of cancel culture yes. aspect of things. Yeah. Probably because I'm very terrified about the idea of being on the other end of it. Oh, yeah, me Just too. one slip up. and Me too. And I do live telly. Um, and I do, I'm pretty good and always have had, you know, because I have been doing it for such a long time. It's been over 35 years, which is ridiculous. Um, but I, I have got a good self-edit button. But of course, sometimes you forget um, and, you, and you might. But I'd, I'd like to think that I wouldn't say anything that would be necessarily offensive. I certainly wouldn't mean to do it. Um, you know, I think there's a difference between meaning to be offensive and, and just saying something because maybe you're not educated enough or, you know, you've got a different way of thinking. But I still think that people should be able to express their opinion. Mm. You know, I very much do. And I, and I always think that about interviews. It's really interesting because quite recently, um, Susanna Reid interviewed Boris Johnson. And it was brilliant because she let him speak. It wasn't gladiatorial. She just wanted to get to the facts. She completely skewered him. I mean, it was a brilliant interview um, but she just wanted she treated him like a human being and he didn't know how to respond yeah I saw that it, it was it really was. good and then at the end it was hilarious because he didn't know who I was which was absolutely hilarious because why should he know I mean who expects him to know it doesn't matter anyway but I thought, I thought it was very funny but that that's the way to do an interview let people speak but at the same time you don't let them away with anything but it doesn't become a shouting match, it doesn't become a point scoring thing, which so many interviews these days, whether it's politicians or not, tend to be sort of like, almost like, ah, I got you there. Well, so what? Just let let politicians speak, then we can make our minds up. Yeah, I also daft. it's more comfortable viewing that as well, because as you say, you yeah. can make, as a viewer you're watching, yeah. that thing when you watch them on something, like I was watching something on Newsnight last night, and the you know person being interviewed was they, there was such a sort of stance to yes. the interview that it was, was gladiatorial right yeah it was really gladiatorial horrible. point scoring you never get anywhere they end up talking over each other there, there's absolutely you know more heat than light and it you just end up being frustrated but I think there's a change I think there's definitely a change there but I guess that with the broadcasting you do you get to have this quite sweet spot because I was thinking you're almost like a sort of all-seeing eye because all the sh- all the stories, as you say, the the from the you know lightweight to the really heavyweight, all come through you. But when people come to your studio, I feel like they're kind of slightly their guards down a little bit because it's a more yeah. I do. I think some te- that absolutely should be because I want people to be very relaxed. And if somebody is good enough to trust me with their story, let's say it's a member of the public who's been through something awful or who's dealt with something terrible or has overcome something, and they have trusted me with that story, which is that's amazing, then they must be, make sure, I must make sure that they're comfortable in, and the whole team's like that. And of course, we, we want to make it as an enjoyable an experience as we possibly can. At the same time, when it comes to politicians or somebody that needs to be held to account, they underestimate breakfast telly and they underestimate daytime at their peril, Yes, to be honest. And and that's, you know, it's completely different. Um, because, yeah, but you're right, they, they, they do feel, oh, quite relaxed. And, oh, we can, you know, we can chat away and it's fine. And then you just go with the killer question. You just go in there and that's, but that's good. Um, but, yeah, people should feel comfortable. It's almost like I'm inviting them into my home. And if I'm inviting people into my house, I'm not going to be horrible to them. No. Not deliberately, anyway. No. No, and as you say, it lets them actually um, set up their own stall. And it's actually really good to see politicians as human beings. Now, some of them aren't. Some of them can't. Some of them can't relate to normal questioning, you know, just talking, having a conversation, Mm. rather than them just saying what they want to say and being evasive and all of that. Um, A lot of today's politicians are not, but the ones that are really stand out. Yeah, they do. They really do. I mean, I know Ed Balls isn't in politics anymore but he he's become a really good presenter and he's and he's a human being you yeah. know and that makes all the difference in the world it does it really does you and know? that's why it's relevant that boris johnson didn't know your, i guess your name. i guess although it's it, very funny sophie it's just <laughs> daft isn't it it's very silly it did make me giggle <laughs> um hmm. so going back to when you first had your daughter what was going on in your life then 
Well, I had just joined, I've been so, oh, so many regime changes, you know, it started off with TVAM and then it was GMTV um, and I, I was one of the presenters of the show and when I got pregnant um, and went and went off, because I'm a freelancer, um, I got a phone call two weeks before I was due back at work to say, oh, we've got someone else, got someone else to do your job, um, thanks, uh, if it doesn't work out, we'll give you a call. And that was um, when they hired Anthea, you know, Anthea Turner, who's lovely, lovely, lovely girl. She's not going to turn that job down. Of course she's not. You know, why would she? Um, So that was a bit of a worry because um, my husband is a cameraman and he just moved down. We just moved house because I had this this job at GMTV and because I was, you know, we had a baby. We wanted to make a nest because up until then I was going from... I was going home every weekend back up to Dundee where we were living and that's fine when you don't have kids but you can't do that when you've got a wee tiny baby it's impossible it's impossible mm. so we, we sort of based ourselves quite near the studio um, and then to lose the job like that overnight and he just he was just establishing himself as a freelance uh, cameraman down in, in England as opposed to up in Scotland so it was difficult, you know, so I put baby under one arm, a uh, little VHS, you know, with my highlights, VT, you know, your showreel under the other and went round just about every TV station. And there wasn't much going back then. It was, we didn't have, you know, like the, the loads and loads of opportunities that we've got now. You know, there wasn't podcasts, there wasn't as much opportunity in TV or radio. Um, so it was really scary. And the only reason that I got back was because um, a mum and baby company, wanted to do a mum and baby slot and they had sponsorship money for for GMTV, but they only wanted me to do it because I just had Rosie, it made sense. So I went and did that and thank goodness, it was that was in the November, I got told not to, she was born in June, I was supposed to go back in September and they told me in August not to come back and that was too soon, to be honest. Um, and then, yeah, that this little mum and baby slot worked really well and I got offered my own show, so... You just never know how things are going to work out. You know, no. I, was, I was very lucky that that happened um, and that it was a success and, you know, the company were very happy. And then in the January, I got my got my own show and had my own show ever since, um, which is great. So from the June to the January is when you got your own show. So actually, yeah. looking back, it's actually not very long, but a no. lot happened in A lot happened time. then, Sophie. And it was, <laughs> you know, obviously the most important thing was was Rosie, but it was such a shame because that that stress that I had when she was so teeny tiny, um, I felt as if those really special, that really special time was kind of taken away that you never get back. And I've only had one, so I'd, I won't ever get that back. And that, that was a real shame. And it's only when I think about it now that I think... Because I was really worried, of course, you know, of course I was, because I had this massive responsibility of both, you know, both my husband and I of, of this tiny little child, <laughs> and we had to make sure it was okay. So, yeah, I guess that sort of fuels the um, never take it for granted and that horrible thing that I think a lot of us have got of, um, oh, well, I'm, I'm doing okay, but I might get found out. <laughs> That you know that imposter thing. Yes, I, I, that, I think we've all got that a little bit, but I certainly have for sure. Just really? Make, yeah, oh yeah. I think I think it's partly it's a working class thing. You know, I'm, I was born in the Gorbals in Glasgow, and um, you know, obviously from a very working class family. Uh, and I think sometimes there is that thing of you don't feel kind of good enough, which is really silly because your logical, rational mind tells you that, of course you are, don't be silly. But there's always that wee niggly voice at the back saying, ha-ha, you're going to get found out one day, you've been very lucky. Um, and But at the same time, I suppose it keeps you grounded as long as it doesn't go too far. Uh, but yeah, there is that feeling of one day you will actually get found out. and And, and that's... Yeah, that's definitely with me, absolutely. <laughs> well, I guess as well that because of how you do your job and, you know, that I, I do feel like there's two styles of... There's presenters and then there's broadcasters. Broadcast, to me, that broadcaster is someone who does their own research, knows what they're talking about, follows their own stories, has their own take on things. And I love the fact that... I think you're whip smart when you're doing... I love watching you do what you do. I've been interviewed with you and you've got... The voices in your ear telling things, things are happening. And I honestly, it's a proper masterclass. There's a lot going on, isn't there? There's so much going, going on. on. But I need to do, like, I, I suppose I am quite sort of like in the sense that I've got to do my homework every night. Mm. You know, like I, I don't really go to many functions and things because I know I'm Cinderella. I never can go to the party. And the trouble with me is I'm either all in or nothing. So if I do go to the party, I go 100% to the party. <laughs> and that's probably You're what I agree. I mean, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So I really have to be careful with that because I know myself, I know what I'm like. 
But I do, and, and now as, as with the show after um, COVID, when I was so lucky to be on every single day, for goodness sake, that was amazing. But I don't have scripts now. I just put everything on my iPad. I just write it all on my iPad. I put down a couple of um, little bullet points, like if I, if I was talking to you, just a few wee things so that I've got a rough idea. But of course, it's a conversation. Mm. So it can go in so many different directions. And that... I'd, I can understand why people do it, but I just think I would always say to anybody who's interviewing exactly what you're doing, we're sitting here talking. Listen is the most important thing. Just listen, because you can go in so many different directions. That's what makes it such a joy. I know. It really does. You know, it's it's fantastic. That's what I love about the job. You don't, you've got a rough idea what somebody might say, but you don't know. I totally agree with you. And the first ever podcast I did, um, the first interview, I felt I, I'd written out some just some bullet point questions and I took them with me and I put them under my thigh for the chat. I was talking to Fern Cotton and I thought, well, I can, if I get lost, and I realised there's no opportunity for that. No. If I break eye contact, yeah. if I start like getting some <laughs> notes out, it just doesn't work. And no. the chat, it's not a conversation anymore. I've stopped listening. It becomes like an interview. Yeah. Yes. Rather and I than thought, a conversation. Oh, and it okay. should be a conversation. That's what I always, I always think with, with the, especially with what I do. Mm. It has to be, you know, people have to feel comfortable. Viewers have to feel comfortable as well and I guess as well that imposter thing is also that feeling probably of you're only ever as good as the day you've just done absolutely you can do the best show you think it is um and then the next day oh you know it can all fall apart and of course it does and some shows are are terrific and some are not as good <laughs> some but you've always the great thing about it is you've always got the opportunity to sort that the next day you know I mean, we we absolutely pilot things on air you know we we try things we're probably Sometimes a little bit too ambitious, but I'd, I'd rather that we tried something that didn't quite work than not try it at all. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's good. And I'm so lucky with my team because they're, they're all obviously far younger than I am. Um, but that combined with my daughter keeps me young. You know, it keeps me... I'm, I'm interested. I think you've got to be interested in the world around you and never get set in your ways and always be open to new ideas and new music and new TV and all of that. Because, you know, sometimes my gang will say, oh, we've got this one on. And I go, oh, yeah, I like them. And they like, how do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> because my daughter plays it, you know, or, or, or I've heard it on the radio. Are you, are you just, you know, you've got to make yourself open to new ideas because, and have curiosity. It's the most important thing. It's so vital. It really is. And, and no matter what you do, it doesn't matter what you do, as long as you're curious about the world around you, then... That's fantastic. Yeah, it keeps you young and it also, you know, the generation gaps overall are much smaller now, aren't they, in terms so of... So much, yes. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's so interesting because we're... There, it isn't the same as mm. what it was with, me, with my mum my and dad. And Although my mum and dad were so young when they had me, they were only 17. And they were <gasps> very, very, yeah, they were very, very young. Wow. Ridiculously young, you actually, when you think baby? about it. Yes, oh, yes. <laughs> yes, no, I'm number five. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, and they were, whereas um, my contemporaries at school, their mum and dads were much older, but my mum and dad were listening to the Beatles and mm. the Rolling Stones and, you know, the, the and, and Bob Dylan. And my mum was like really, you know, she had the mini skirts and all of that and they were so they I feel that there's not as big a gap with us at all and that's really good because my grandparents are, that was more like what the, the the sort of distance if you like between mm. the generations so that was a good thing I mean I remember dancing with my mum to Dusty Springfield and things it was so cool that is cool <laughs> it was but so good. so little it's ridiculous when I think what I, I was like at that age and they stayed together oh they're still together wow. they've been married what age am I I'm 62 so I've been married 62 years <laughs> Because I, funnily enough, I, I always thought I was six months premature, that I was a medical child, <laughs> and I wasn't. <laughs> I was of, wait a minute, they got married then, and I was born th four months later, what's going on? <laughs> That's amazing, though. What an incredible thing. And how, what's it like when you have that sort of success story, marriage? Because I think sometimes that can be something to live up to a little bit if you've seen a relationship yeah, like no, that. no, that's true. I mean, don't get me wrong, they drive each other nuts. Of course <laughs> they do. Of course they do. And the, there's been ups and downs over the years. But yeah, it's um, it's unusual for a, for a couple to have been together for so long. And I don't know, um, well, certainly I'd love to be together with, with my husband as long as that. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I think it's about, it's about respect, isn't it? Mm. But it's also about, like, my mum's very much got her own life in a sense you know my dad doesn't go I mean they're older now my dad doesn't go out as much but my mum's out every day you know she's she's learning German 
for goodness sake, um, which I think is brilliant. She's got yeah, her I was trying to think it was in German. I was like, I know, wonderbar. <laughs> wonderbar. She's got her book club. She's got her exercise classes. She's got her friends. She goes for big, long walks. You know, she's really got... And I think that's really important. That's certainly the same with me and my husband. Like, we've got our own our own time and I think you know we, we do give each other a bit of space and I think that's really important as well it's so healthy they have something to talk about apart from anything else yeah and I totally agree with you about that curiosity and keep looking outside yourself and keep learning I think I'm starting to see I'm I, so I'm 43 now and when I turned 40 I could see that this is like a little bit of a fork in the road for yeah making a decision to stay open and then I could see some people getting a little oh, bit more do. calcified with some of their thinking yes some of their it's ideas like, and they don't, they're not receptive and that that goes no. back to the whole thing of you know things have changed times have changed people's yeah. attitudes have changed quite dramatically mm. i mean when I, th- I, mean, I remember having this conversation with rosie actually quite recently and i and i said to her i said you know when i was a kid when i was you know when i was alive when i was born it was illegal it was actually illegal to be gay you could be put in jail and she was like what <laughs> Because that just sounded so insane and so yeah. ridiculous. I and mean, when you think when we've come from that, you know, because I was born in 1959, we've come from that in the early 60s to now. Wow. I mean, still a long way to go, but how things have changed and how things are changing and how young people's attitudes to their sexuality and, and just to the world in general are changing. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's quite, it's remarkable. It, it really is. And, and I welcome it. I, yeah. I really do. I want people to question things. I want people to question politicians and attitudes and where we're going and what we're doing because, you know, they, they're the ones that's going to inherit it and, and yeah. they should have their say. So. And I think it's also important with things that are evolving and changing. If you if you don't know how you feel about something, it's okay to not know how you feel yet and just keep listening. Exactly. You don't and have to have an opinion no, straight indeed, away. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> and if you and because we're all it's all about learning, isn't it? It's mm. all about educating yourself. Um and, and I what I don't want is debate to be shut down for people not to go, Oh, I didn't know that and I don't really understand that or what what do you mean by that terminology? I'm not sure, do I call you they or he or she or what do I call you? Just ask. Yeah. That's all you have to do, just ask and don't be frightened to make a mistake. And also, if you do make a mistake, people shouldn't come down on you like a ton of bricks. They should say, you made a mistake there, let's just move on. Let's just move on. As long as it's not been a, a deliberate sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, the intention behind yeah. it is Yeah, it's all about intention, isn't it? Because yeah. a lot of people are just being... They're not meaning to, to say no. something, but they're... And, and then they go, oh, right, I get it, and then it's fine. Yeah, and there's like little new yeah. new synapses yeah, and neurons being... Definitely. ...bridges being built <laughs> in your brain about, that, you know, changing the way you think about Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
things. I was reading that um, something I really agree with, that you were saying that you, with your daughter, you don't like when people say about the best friends with we're their not friends. Yeah. Oh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> no, we're not it friends. It doesn't sound terrible. I actually totally know what you mean. <laughs> I'm not a friend. I'm her mum. Yeah. And it's a different relationship. And I would love to sit here, Sophie, and say to you that my Rosie tells me everything. Of course she doesn't. <laughs> Did you tell your mum everything? No, and you probably don't no. really want it as well. No, I don't. And really, there are certain areas <laughs> of her life I would just like to keep off limits. Thank you. Yes. Um, but yeah, I'm, she knows I'm there. It's yeah. like you with your boys. You are there 100%. You've got their back. There you are, but it is a different relationship, and I don't really get the best friends thing with your children. Did just, you have? Was your, your mum quite good about? Because being so young, she's my mum, very really? much so, and the disciplinarian mm. rather than my dad. My dad, she could wind him around your wee finger, you know. I mean, you really could, <laughs> but my mum was definitely the disciplinarian. No, it's a, it is. I mean. It's funny, it's changed as she's got older. I feel more responsible for her. So the relationship changes a little bit as, as she gets older and as she continues to get older. I mean, she's in great shape. She's fantastic. But that changes a wee bit. I think I've gotten much more protect, overprotective of her, if you know what I mean. And a wee bit, you know, she doesn't like me making a fuss and I do make a fuss a little <laughs> bit. But, but she's my mum. She's not my pal. You know, there's things yeah. that I would never tell her in a million years that I would tell my best friends, but I yeah. would never tell her. Yeah, that's why you have your friends. Um, exactly. And actually with my kids, I sometimes say to them, like, I'm not here for you to always like me. Sometimes I'm just here to Indeed. parent you. Indeed. And, and you know, sometimes somebody that you love, you don't necessarily like them all the time. Mm. But you love them all the time, but they might really, really annoy you. <laughs> yeah. But now you are in the bit where your relationship with your daughter is in, in this different section when they're an actual fully grown adult yes and you've started doing a podcast together so how how is that what's that like to do well it was really interesting because it was Rosie's idea she wanted to do a podcast because we when she was in Singapore she lived in Singapore for about four or five years and she came back um just after the pandemic started and um she said oh you know the whatsapp we were always whatsapping she said what we were going to do was she was going to do something like her in Singapore, me here, and the difference in the cultures, things that she's learned, things that she, you know, things mm. that, things that's happening here. And and I thought that be that was a great idea that she had. But when she came back, we just had this idea about it's forks in the road. You know, you talked about that about when you turned forty, you go down that road or you go down another road, and it can change or things that happen in your life. Yeah. So it's been really really interesting. I mean, you you were terrific, and everybody's got all these great stories. You know, it is just a device to have a blinking good chat yeah exactly you know? a lot of it's breaking the ice it's isn't just it? great <laughs> it really is and and it's been it's been lovely and she's doing really well she works at hello magazine and she works for times radio horrible shifts but she loves it so she, she got the same loves it drive with the i, th I think so. she's not getting the she doesn't really want to be on the telly but then mind you neither i wasn't I, that was nothing that was wasn't something that i particularly wanted to do I was working as a journalist on newspapers and then I got a job at BBC Scotland and then this is 1983 remember but BBC Scotland said I would never make it on the television because of my accent because I speak with a Glasgow accent oh and goodness. back then it was all very RP and it was quite posh and you didn't have like Anton Deck and Eamon Holmes and you know people speaking the way you know from their area you yeah. just didn't have it um, so when I got the job at TVAM luckily the boss was Australian so he, he, you know, he didn't care. <laughs> he said, well, we want a Scottish reporter and you're Scottish, that's fine, that'll do. So mm. that was that was very, very lucky. But I think she's I think she's more into producing, producing and things like that. So that's that's great. So did she, when she was little, she would always see you doing all your research and all that kind of thing. Yeah, was she very aware think, of your... Yeah, yeah I, think, I think that's been good. That's instilled a real... It's the work ethic thing. Mm. And I think that's really important. I mean, I didn't sort of bang on about it, but I just always think you can show by example, like what you're doing in a sort of quiet way, you can you can pass that on, I guess. And, and that's always been really, you know, really important for me to... Because if you make a mistake on air... You can't blame somebody else if you haven't done the research. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You can't. Well, also, if you're fronting it, then it doesn't yeah, matter. You've what got to take no one cares that. what your cards say. Of they course, just want to know. Of course. Well, that always makes me laugh. And, you know, presenters goes, Where's my cards? And I'm like, What are you talking about? Well, I think there's some <laughs> things when people say, and I'm like, Don't say that. Other people yeah. don't know what that means or roll the VT or something. It's like, No one knows what VT means. Like, <laughs> just talk like a person. Talk. Exactly. I know. I know. You have to talk that like person. That's why it's really important that, you know, you. you for a show like mine especially you've got to be you've got to communicate to that person at home mm, you know yeah. sitting having their breakfast or in their bed or putting their trousers on or whatever they're doing <laughs> you can't imagine whatever they might be up to but yeah you've got to make sure that they that you relate to them you know yeah it's, it's really important yeah and it's personable and I wanted to touch on something so when you said Rosie went to Singapore 
Yeah. How did that go down with you? Because I've sort of put that on my list of things they, I don't want them to do. It's hard. I mean, of all the countries in the world, Singapore, you know, because it's so safe. And the good thing was my brother uh, lives out in that okay. area. He lives out in that area. He spends I don't a lot mind of... them travelling. I just don't want yes, them to live abroad. I know, I know. And it was... Well, she didn't want to do a gap year. So mm. when she finished, she did journalism at Edinburgh University. And then went to Singapore to work for a charity for a year. Loved it over there. Um, and then got a job there. She worked for a, a... She worked as sort of like in a marketing company, but doing an awful lot of, of PR for nightclubs <laughs> and restaurants. Sounds it was, fun. Oh, it was... You can imagine. You imagine how boring She's that mother, was. mother's daughter. <laughs> she loved it. It was absolutely <laughs> brilliant. And of course, we went out to see her, but it was hard with her mm. not there. Thank the Lord for, you know, the, the WhatsApp, FaceTime, all that kind of thing, and Zooms and everything. Because um, that really made it a lot easier. And I knew she'd be safe. Yeah. You know, there's that thing. Because we would go out and see her and she would walk home. You know, after we'd be out and it would be like midnight or, you know. And she'd say, right, bye. And she would toddle off home and I wouldn't even worry about it. And, you know, you'd, you, when she came back to London, I, I did have to sit and have a talk with her. It was actually quite difficult. Not difficult, it was necessary. You know, and I said, look... You can't walk home. I'd have this conversation with you, never mind if you're in London, Glasgow, Newcastle, Birmingham, Belfast. It doesn't matter. You can't walk home on your own. You cannot leave your drink on the bar or at a table and then go to the loo. You can't do it. It's irresponsible. There's all kinds of nutters out there, so you can't do it. You know, without scaring her, I was just saying, you have to get your street smarts back because mm. you've been in Singapore where people can leave things and, you know, it's so safe, especially for women. It's so safe. So that was a difficult conversation to have, but she's not daft. She's no. not daft. But at the same time, how terrible we have to do that with our, with our daughters or, and our sons, of course. It's not just our daughters. It's, um, it's all our kids. But how, how does it feel when you do have like a, someone that you're you know, parenting in their 20s? How does that dynamic shift when that's the, I suppose, conversations like that, but also just... Yeah, and I guess it's really difficult because, you know, she says, Mum, for goodness sake, I'm 27, you know. <laughs> For good, I'm a woman growing. I think that's the hardest thing. The hardest thing is to sort of say, all oh, right, you are your own person. And, and and when you don't have any, it's not you don't have any influence anymore, but you know there's that thing of you sort of know what they're doing. It's that that's difficult. When she went to university, I didn't really know what she was doing. It took the worry out of it, I must admit, sometimes, because, you know, when, when they're living at home and they're going out for an evening, you're kind of like, oh, you know, yeah. and, and she's like, why have you waited up for me again? No, I wasn't waiting up for you. I just couldn't get to sleep. I wasn't waiting up for you. No, 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 no. I was watching this movie. Why would I wait up for you? you know, <laughs> of course I've waited up for her. But then, of course, when they go away, that's, that's difficult. But funnily enough, then you don't worry about them so much in that sense. But it's, it is hard to let go. It's hard to, that you're not the centre of everything. And I think for parents, that's true. For me, certainly it was. It was difficult. You know, it was. It was It was hard. But then it becomes something different and something, I think, something richer in a way. You know, you have that. It's, the relationship is very different. Um, but the great thing is, I think she still quite likes us. You know, she does spend time with us. And yeah. that's good. That's pretty and of course incredible. we annoy her because that's her job. But... <laughs> Yeah, there is a there is a genuine sort of like real, real deep affection and she will run things past us. But as I say, most of it like for you know, relationships and stuff like that, she would she would talk to her pals. Yeah. But anything practical, her dad, he's like the go to. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I think that like, I love the idea of the relationship getting richer. It and does, I... you know, it really does. It, you don't feel it at the time, you know, especially when they first go. And it is hard. It's really hard. Yeah, that's the necessary transition, isn't it? It really is, but it's, it is hard. But I couldn't let her see that it was hard. I mm. didn't want her to know that when we dropped her off at our tiny, tiny little, you know, these wee bedsits they have in halls at universities and they smell of cabbage <laughs> and they're horrid and damp and everything. <laughs> yes. And it's a wee tiny one room. And I, I, I could not tell her that I cried all the way home. I can't. No, <laughs> no they can't know. <laughs> they, they, they mustn't because you just have to say, nope. But there's a lot of time that there's that virtual oh, little dagger in your heart and you have absolutely. to like hide it. You do, there? you do. You have to go, oh no, it's fine. And oh yeah. no, and I'm so happy that you're doing so well and you've made new friends. And, oh. Or, you know, even when it starts when they're little and you drop them off somewhere where they don't want to go in and you know you have to drop them oh, or, you know, awful. where they you do their anger on you and slam a door at you yeah. because they're cross about something and you have to be like, it's, it's fine. It's really hard. They're hanging on to your leg and don't go to work. Mm. I mean, that's really difficult. That's horrible. And then, of course, two minutes later, they're fine. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't know that and you go to work going, oh, I'm the worst person. <laughs> I know. I do. I was shocked when I had my 
baby at the immediacy of the guilt that I know came. I was like, yeah. why did nobody tell me this? I know. <laughs> it's literally, I know. Like, handed to you. Like, it just comes. Your, with, when you feel that on your back, that's your guilt. Yeah, that's You'll your have that about guilt. everything now. <laughs> Sore boobs, pails, and guilt. <laughs> Fabulous things that happen to you as a new Those mother. are some of the better things. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, jeez. Yeah, and um, I suppose going back to the time when you had Rosie and you were on maternity leave and then found out that that job was not waiting for you, is that something that felt very much of that time? So this would have been the 90s, yes, right? Yes, it was 94. Mm. It wouldn't happen now. I just don't see it happening now. Or it would have happened in a slightly different way, perhaps. But yeah, but you know what it's like if you're freelance? I mean, my contract is up every couple of years. I never, ever take it for granted that it's going to get renewed, even after all this time. Because you never know. You just never know. You know, you're not guaranteed a job for life, and certainly not in TV. You know, TV can be really ruthless. It's like football. It's like football managers. You know, it's a sort of merry-go-round yeah. <laughs> can happen so I, I, you know I really don't take anything for granted I, I, I don't and I think that probably stems from that experience mm. but then maybe it's no bad thing because you know you shouldn't feel that you're entitled to be in people's living rooms every single morning you know for the rest of your life yeah, it's you different can't. to feel entitled to actually just um, have a job that has been they've decided you're not coming back because you've had a baby yeah I know and and it was just because they wanted a change mm. you know that was all there wasn't you know I didn't suddenly become terrible and they didn't suddenly become monsters it, it was just um they could yeah. so they did do you feel like you've seen over the years the shift in how the sort of cultural perception oh of very much motherhood. so I mean even Sophie even when I was pregnant you know on air because I'm I, stupidly kept working far too much. I mean, she was a little bit early. So up until two weeks before she was born, you know, I was I was doing, I was working. Mm. I, I, didn't, I didn't expect to, you know, I wanted to have two weeks of running around mad and then two weeks of watching old movies with eating chocolate. And that, I've never had those two weeks. I still feel that <laughs> still I need waiting them. for them now. I still want to watch my old Bette Davis films, you know, mm. with, with the vast quantities of, of booze and chocolate, but never quite got, got round to it. But yeah, it was... It's different times. It's got a lot better. I mean, I think it's fantastic that we do job sharing at, at, at work. We we hope you know, we're trying to get much more much better childcare facilities. I mean, there are little little sort of dots of enlightenment all over the country, but there's no nothing joined up as far as, far as that goes. And it does stop women sadly sometimes for doing the job that they want to do, and it's not fair. It shouldn't be like that. And it's really odd because I always think, I never ask, um, or try not to anyway, but I always ask actors who've got children, men who've got children, how do you juggle it? As well as asking women, because wh why do we always ask women, how do you juggle your career and your children when we wow. don't ask men? I, that's brilliant. Do you I know what think, I mean? Yeah. Because we should, because they're yeah. equal partners in the whole... Well, it also encourages thing. them to, it, it normalises them prioritising it as yeah, well. Yeah, it does. And actually, to be fair, that has changed a lot. Mm. You know, I think men are a heck of a lot more hands-on than ever they were. Not all of them, but it has changed an awful lot. And that's good. It's not always on the women to have that terrible choice of career or children. That just doesn't happen now. By and large, it doesn't. And if women, you know, if, and women, if they want to stay at home, they should absolutely, if they can, you know, financially they can do that, then, and that's what they want to do. That's great. We shouldn't look down on that. You know, sometimes women who choose to stay at home are, are, are very often patronised and that's not fair. That's not fair either because it's whatever works for you. Yeah. You know, it's whatever works for you and how you want to balance and prioritise your life. That's that's totally up to you. It's just that most women can't have that, don't have that choice because they've got to work. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. They've just got to do it. Or if they do want to work, they don't want to feel like they're not, they're supposed to go to work pretending they don't have a family life. That's the other thing. There was that thing of, I've certainly noticed a huge sea change and it's very interesting because obviously my editor, uh, Victoria's a woman, uh, the boss of ITV Daytime is a woman and the giant boss of ITV is a woman and it's it's subtle but the culture has definitely shifted. You can, you can tell and now what I think that I can see certainly from when I first started out was it used to be that women who got to the top of the ladder pulled the ladder up and that was it. And mm. they didn't. And actually, they were, they were in some ways worse than the men. It was as if they had to be more masculine, man. all the bad aspects of that, not the good ones, because there are a lot of good ones, obviously. Um, but now, you know, not only do they put the ladder back down again, they reach out a hand, you know, and, and pull you up. And, and that's always what I think, because I think, well, I, I had some great people to help me when I was starting out. And what's the point? I always think to myself, what's the point of me amassing all this knowledge about what I do? Um, 
and I don't pass it on. It doesn't make any sense, does it? So you have to pass it on to, you know, other members of the team or, you know, make sure that you create an environment that everybody feels they can, they can say anything, you know, they can say some silly idea and then you might go, oh, I'm not sure about that, but you know what, it might spark something else and that's yeah. great, you know, but you've got to create that, that environment and that's certainly what I, I've noticed that, that real change since more women became more senior, if you like, there's definitely been a change, which is great. So if you've noticed all this change, how have you navigated your own time when you were raising a small child and, you know, school holidays and yeah, yeah, yeah. important dates and diary and stuff? Were you Did you feel like you were kind of going out on a limb if you prioritised it? Kind of. I mean, I've been very lucky that we, this again is, is very far-seeing, but, you know, I think probably about 10, maybe more than 10 years ago, um, for myself, for Philip and Holly and for anybody who works in daytime who had children, they would give us a lot of the school holidays off. Obviously not any, you know, not all of them, but a lot of them and that helped enormously. But I remember when I was doing a radio show and Rosie was at um, nursery and she was only about two and a half and they were doing this the nativity play and Rosie was Mary. Now, they didn't have any words because they're babies and it was it was crazy. You know, I love the idea of her learning a script though. Because <laughs> <laughs> they, they sang Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star and I mean, I mean, yeah. and all that. And the baby Jesus, she held upside down and Joseph waved at his mum and the three kings were picking their nose and it was the most delightful thing. But I was doing a radio show and I went and said, look, I'm really sorry, I can't... Because I used to do my show and then bounce to this radio show. Um, and I said, I can't come on this certain day because it's my daughter's in the nativity play. Oh, I'm sorry, you can't get the day off. And it was like one of those, oh dear. And it was a Mexican standoff. And I had to actually stick to my guns and say, look, I've got somebody lined up that will replace me for this one day. And I am so glad that I stuck to my guns. It was hard because, I mean, it got really... Well, we're not, you know, they weren't happy. They were mm. really not happy about it. But if I'd missed that magical, brilliant time... And nobody... We, we didn't film it, but it's in my head every single second of it. You know, it was just gorgeous. And it was just... And it was silly and it was wee and it lasted five minutes and I don't care. Yeah. It was beautiful. And, and if I'd missed that for work, Sophie, I would have just... No. That was that was the good thing about doing the job that I do that's early in the morning because most things like sports days or, you know, teachers' nights, you know, I'd always make sure I was there. I could never take her to school because back then it was four o'clock in the morning and that would be bad. <laughs> Leaving <laughs> yeah. your kid at the school gate at four in the morning. No, thank you. What are you complaining you. for? I dropped you Not off Not a my... good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I dropped you off. Oh, I know I it's dark. I'll get light in a minute. usually pick her up. Mm. Usually. Not always. Not always. But usually I could. And sometimes sweating, you know, like, fighting through traffic and just doing all of that but it's it was so important I had to be there for school plays and all of that sort of stuff it's well, I guess it's the well, thing it's the big the big moments those huge you don't, and also you don't win any prizes when you miss them because you never remember what it was you did on that day that was the work thing anyway well I couldn't I, do you know I don't remember one single radio show and I remember yeah. every single second of that nativity play I don't remember anything of that because it was so long ago and it's just you know everything's merges into something or other and uh, mm. but I remember that yeah never forget it it's great <laughs> yeah no I think those moments I think as well I might be wrong but I think maybe the last couple of years as well of everybody having you know yes. this sort of yes. enforced time at home has meant that we're better at balancing things a little bit and understanding that I think that we are I think we, we, I know, hope we hang on to that there, so weren't, there weren't many there weren't many bits of light you know uh, in this whole terrible time but that was one of them and a, and a sort of better sense of community was another yeah um, and and being more tolerant of one another as well, um, that that these are good things because mm. we tried in the show. Obviously, we reflected what was happening in the news, and it was it was dire. I mean, I think sometimes we forget. Maybe that's no bad thing that we forget. But we always tried every day to try and find a little bit of light, whether it was a kid just baking cookies for the NHS yeah. nurses in their local hospital, or Captain Sir Tom, you know, doing his walk, or or whatever it may be. Every Every day we try to find a sort of act of kindness. Yeah. Um, and it was great because it, it actually did really help. Whilst we were, of course, we were still doing how dreadful it was. And, and it really impacted us because of what happened to Kate with her husband. You know, Kate Garraway's husband yeah. was one of the, the first to get really sick. And he's, he's at home now and he's, he's, you know, thank goodness he's at home surrounded by his family. Um, but, you know, it's going to be a hard road. It's going to be a hard, hard road for him. She's remarkable. Yeah, but I she think is. that that it sort of hit us quite a lot as an extended 
sort of work family, if you like, and brought it home to just how serious it was. But at the same time, just trying somehow to find a little, a little shaft of light, I guess. Yeah, and those things are really vital. You've got to, you've got to have something to hang on to. Look how we would all, you know, clapping for the NHS and all of that. I mean, well, I know, I know some people can be a bit cynical about that, but I did actually feel better. (laughs) You know, and I know it was really appreciated by the NHS frontline workers. It really was. Actually, even thinking about it now, it makes me feel almost a bit like, like the magnitude of it, really. I think, you know, it's, it's still so huge. recent and we're now back into chugging ahead and looking forward yeah. and being distracted by lots of other nonsense. Yes. And actually, when you reminded me of that memory, it's like, oh, yeah, that was when, you know, we really didn't see anyone. I'd literally see my neighbours down the road I and know. think, oh, they're all in in their houses too. And exactly. all those day-to-day tensions and ups and downs and being so hooked on the news, just oh, checking the sake. Abs- numbers absolutely. every day. That's what I'm saying. I was so lucky mm. to to be able to go into work every day Yeah, yeah. because it gave me structure. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people didn't have structure in their lives and, and also just kind of opened a window a wee bit in the world because, you know, I was doing things like, I would say, how are they doing in the Falklands? You know, they're very remote down there. How are they doing? And, you know, what's happening there? And, you know, what's happening in Taiwan? How's New Zealand doing? You know, and we could, because of Zoom and all of that, we could do all these live links everywhere. You know, I was saying, what about the International Space Station? What's happening up there? What's going on? You know, we were doing all of these. Antarctica, we were talking to people in Antarctica and not on the bases and just finding out how... And and in the way that we didn't feel connected because we were all in our houses, that felt as if we were all connecting in some way. It was... It was it was good in a sense. That, yeah, yeah, definitely a barrier that got broken down that way. Something yeah. that's affecting everybody. Different, you know, variables within it, but sure. one big key yeah. theme in, and global. Like oh, that's it extraordinary, was. isn't Just it? Just an incredible, incredible time. That I think we'll look back. I hope we've all learned something. I really do. I hope mm. we have. God, thank God for the vaccine, though. Thank goodness for all of that, and and I am yeah. being able to protect ourselves yeah. and everyone else. I know, all the science <laughs> and all that. Um, so going back to when you're, when you're doing your show, can yeah. you, have you seen, I'm imagining you've seen big shifts in terms as well of the subject matter that's spoken about around um, parenthood and motherhood yeah. and things that people now can talk about that maybe... Maybe that you're right, you know, and it's so interesting about daytime telly in particular and breakfast telly is that we talk about everything. Mm. And we do, I mean, as you know, um, I mean, we have done, you know, live breast examinations because it's just a boob, right? You know, we've done for testicular cancer, we've done that too. So how do you examine your, your bits and your bulbs? And, <laughs> and that's fine. And we've talked about trans rights and gay rights and just all sorts of things, taboos, you know. And, yeah. I mean, I remember, gosh, it was so silly, but it was about five or six years ago. I wanted to do something in the menopause because I was going through it myself. Nobody would talk to me. Nobody would talk to me. We ended up that Dr. Hillary interviewed me about it. And it's brilliant now. And I mean, I'm not saying we were the first. We certainly weren't. Lots of other people were doing it around about that time. Um, but I'm just so happy that all of these subjects that I've mentioned, people are talking about them now. Yeah, I think menopause you know, is a huge thing, actually. Yeah, and there's no taboos. There yeah. shouldn't be taboos. There certainly shouldn't be taboos about, you know, are you worried about your child? Because you, sometimes I think people, that's why things like Mum's Net and all that, and the, the, internet's, the internet can be a great force for good and certainly can. If you're a mum at home thinking, is that normal for my baby to be doing that? Is yeah. this normal for me to be feeling like this? Or... You know, should should this be happening? I don't know. And then to be able to share, because sometimes you know, you've had a baby, you can feel really isolated, and you know, and, and parenthood shouldn't be some sort of one-upmanship or yeah. you know, oh my child's talking Mandarin at the age of two and a half. You know, <laughs> I mean that's just daft, isn't it? Because they all develop at their own at their own pace. But it's just sometimes quite nice to get that reassurance as well. And that's why I think what we try to do is 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 um, hopefully helps people because that's what it's all yeah. about. You know, just helping people who maybe feel a bit disconnected and a bit lonely as well. Yeah, yeah. The isolation thing is a big thing. Huge, that's, that's huge. Good for the internet we talked about mental out. health on on uh, on daytime telly years ago. 20 years ago we were talking about it and and now it's brilliant that everybody else is but we've got to do more than just talk there has to be help for people it's mm. great listen it's wonderful that nobody should ever ever feel ashamed embarrassed or, or awkward or anything um or worried about losing their job or worried about whatever but that's all very well to 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 get people to talk about it but then where do you go 
You know, where are the funds? Where are the resources? Where are the experts? Where are the people, the counsellors that can talk to you? Or, you know, giving people information that helps them. That's the next step. Yeah, the next step, yeah. It really is because there is going to be, it's almost like a second pandemic. There's going mm. to be a huge explosion of mental health. Of course there is. Yeah. You know, especially with young people. And, and thank goodness they're much more able to talk about it. It's great that they do. But then where do we go? You know, then what you know, somebody who says, "Look, I'm not coping. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do." That's when we really have to have structures in place to help them. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's where, and that's where you know our poor NHS that's absolutely overwhelmed. <laughs> you know, that's that's where maybe there has to be some radical thinking to to help people with mental health problems. Yeah, that's yeah, very important, hugely important. It's, yeah, it's really mm. really important. So I was thinking about with your. Your childhood must be quite different to the childhood that your daughter would have had. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> what do you think of the just things that you did carry over? Are there many things? Um, or is it really just very, very different? It is different. It's different. But I think that the thing with me was, yes, we lived in a... It's called a... It was called a single end, which means that we lived in one room and there was like a recess for your bed in the room and you had a sink, but it was an outside toilet. The, where, where I was, first of all, in the Gorbals till I was um, about three. And then we moved to Bridgeton in the East End and we had an inside toilet. <laughs> I know, the luxury. Well, actually, that is a pretty big deal if the, the previous luxury. one was outside. But it was only two rooms. And it was only recent. In fact, it was very recently me and my brother were laughing about it. Because up until I was 12, we had we all shared one bedroom. Like Me and my brother were in bunk beds. You know, bunk beds, I was on the top, he was on the bottom. And my mum and dad were in our bed and, and, and we were in the same wow. room. And then we had another room and a wee sort of kitchenette. But my mum had to boil kettles for water and stuff. I mean, it was nuts. It was absolutely nuts when you think about it. But if you don't know any better, that that's... That, and, and our house was a wee palace, you would call it. My mum just made it like a wee palace. It was absolutely lovely and cosy and gorgeous and beautiful. Um, And my mum and dad always, they were self-educated, but my mum and dad always had books around. So that's a thing that's definitely carried on with me and Rosie. When she was little, I just would have, even when she was tiny, you know those ones that you can put in the bath and they Mm. they just eat them, don't they? They just Mm -hmm. chew in them. Or the wee cloth books and they just eat them. But to get her used to to what books were. So that was certainly something that was a big deal because my mum and dad taught me to read and write before I went to primary school, which was brilliant. I mean, it helped me enormously and and gave me a love of books. That's actually amazing. It's incredible. It it was a huge thing because it meant I was so ahead. And I mean, it just just actually helped me in so many ways, you know, because I was quite a shy kid. So it helped me a lot and instilled this love of reading that I've got to this day. Yeah, and, it's independence and, and power, isn't it? Instilled that in Rosie. Um, you know, read everything. Mm. I always think it's really weird if you go into people's houses and there's no books at all or no reading material at all. Although, having said that, a lot of people have got it on Kindles and whatnot, and that's great. As long as you're reading, it doesn't matter whether you're reading online or reading a, reading a book. But for me, I like a book in my hand. Mm. I do like a book in my hand. But yeah, we've definitely passed that on. It was all about education. That was what my parents always were which is why they were so disappointed when I was supposed to go to university and I would have been the first one. First one in the whole family. Big deal. Mum would have got the photograph on her mantelpiece <laughs> of me with a funny hat on and the wee scroll under the arm. You know that one? <laughs> oh, geez. And, uh, and of course, I got a job at the local newspaper instead when I was 16. So that did not go down well. But you know what? It was only years afterwards they told me. They never said at the time. They never said a word. They just said, oh, congratulations on getting the job. That's great. Good luck. But afterwards, my mum was like, oh, we really wanted you to go. Thank goodness my brother, the golden child, um, who's six (laughs) years younger than me and was a terrible shock to the system when he was born. Uh, But he went to university and was the wonder kid. You know, he, he was great. But yet, Sophie, he was born and he was the fattest baby and he had massive big blue eyes and blonde curly hair. He was like... A cherub that floated <laughs> like down a in a cloud from heaven above. And I loathed him. <laughs> I loathed him. I was horrible to him. I used to nip his arms and everything. I was horrible. Um, because he, and he was the golden boy. People, My mum always goes, people used to stop me in the street with your brother in his pram and look at me and just think, oh, he's the most beautiful thing. And I'd be like, yeah, right. Because, <laughs> of course, I was six years old and the spoiled yeah. only grandchild until... Yeah, that's very Until annoying. This beautiful boy gone. from the central <laughs> casting arrived. Exactly. <laughs> but we do get on really well now. We didn't when we were younger. You stopped biting his arms. I stopped biting his arms. I stopped nipping him. <laughs> stopped battering him and fighting with him. Um, and he stopped kicking me. And we actually get on really well now. So it's good. He's a good <laughs> lad. He's a good boy. 
<laughs> yeah, that can be hard with this really amazing baby coming. Like, hello. I, I didn't need what? that in my life. What? Who is he? No, no, send him back, please. <laughs> don't teach him to read and write as well. That's my thing. I know. Because you're going to go and do languages, was that right? Were you going yeah, to Yeah, Russian. Russian. I did Russian at school. Um, I wish I'd not done that and done Spanish, because that would have been much more helpful. Um, but yeah, I've, I've lost it all, Sophie. I've lost it, although about, oh, must be about five or six years ago now, my friend was living in New York and I went over to see her and she took me to a vodka bar and it was full of Russians. And after two or three vodkas, apparently I was living at large. <laughs> yeah, just talking back. Isn't that weird? Wow. I couldn't say, I couldn't say a word to you now. But if Can't you give me a, a vote? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but if you, gave me a, if you gave me a bottle of vodka, I would be okay. That's pretty it's amazing. Does that file in your head? But yeah, I would love that. And that is one of my biggest regrets is not learning more languages. You know, I, I would love to be able to do that. You know, I just think the best superpower in the world would be to be able to talk to everybody, every single person oh, yes. in their own language. Could you oh, imagine? Yes, I would love Wouldn't that Wouldn't that too. be fantastic if you talk to Australian Aborigines in their own language or you could talk to Slavic people in their own oh, languages. Yes. You could talk to anyone from South America or anyone from Africa in their own language. Yes. The barriers would just, there would be no barriers. You yeah. Know, it would be incredible. Also just the what you'd unlock in terms of your ability to communicate. But actually, there's an amazing word for this feeling I'm experiencing. It's actually a really <laughs> I know, known word. I know, and when, you, when you haven't got the, you know, when you can only sort of got your little pigeon French or yeah. your schoolgirl French or, or whatever, it's 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 very hard. But I would love to be able to do that. I wish yeah. I, that is one of my biggest regrets that I didn't keep that up. But maybe if you just drink the liqueur that is known in that country. area, you'll actually be fluent. Yeah, it's very good. It was just yeah, that may be the way forward. <laughs> um, well, thank you very much, Conrad. Before you, I, I set you free, um, I recently did a gig in Glasgow. And when I was on tour, I did this thing, which I thought was quite funny on the first night and then ended up being a bit of a, uh, a mantle I passed myself, which was basically I always need a couple of things to talk about. And so everywhere I went, I started by like learning three or four facts from the area. Right. So it started in Birmingham. It's a good idea. Well, it just gave me like some chat. But then yeah. I got very serious about it and was learning quite uh, specific facts that sometimes I went too deep. Like when I did, there's a beautiful venue um, on the South Coast. Uh, and I learned the names of the architects, uh, how old they were when they died, wow. what, what state in America they both died in, where they'd been born. I just went way too deep. Okay. But, uh, sorry, coming on to, <laughs> when I did Glasgow, one of my facts about Glasgow, maybe you know this, is that in the area where you were born, in the Gorbals area, there's a church and that's where the remains of St. Valentine is actually buried. <sighs> Did you know I that? I did not know that. Yeah. Sophie Ellis-Bexter. <laughs> what did I, I say to you? My gift to you. <laughs> every day is a school day and you learn something new every yeah. day. That's fantastic. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, like but literally. But I have to go and see it. Yeah, the, the, the original St. Valentine. <gasps> so love is in the air in that love part of town. Love is in the air in Glasgow. It certainly was for my mum and dad. Yeah, go and tell your folks. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> She's a wise woman, isn't she, Lorraine? And um, I'm now speaking to you from Sunday. And the sky is not blue. It is looking a bit overcast. I'm just off to do a festival today. And I'm heading to Marlow to do a festival called Pub in the Park. And I'm taking all the kids. And it's forecast for rain. And they've now issued a yellow thunderstorm uh, warning. So that's great. Um, but there are reasons to be cheerful. Uh, last night, Eurovision was great. Did you watch it? Really enjoyed it. Well done to the UK. I have to confess, I was one of those who thought we're not going to do very well because I think we got very used to the fact that we get um, a bit sort of, uh, yeah, they throw the punches with the with this Eurovision in terms of um, not really liking a lot of decisions that the UK make politically, but um, actually I have uh, been happily been proved wrong this year because the UK came second, which is phenomenal. I really enjoyed watching it. I love Eurovision. I love Eurovision very much. Um, so that's good. And then the other reason to be cheerful is the Balbay Fund, which we're talking about at the top of this show. Um, show, oh my God, sorry, that sounded really stupid. The top of the episode when I was doing my introduction. Um... I don't know if that was any better. Um, anyway, it's now, I saw the news this morning, over six million has been raised. <whistles> Phenomenal. That's a lovely thing. Um, and Deborah's now a dame, which is incredible too. 
Um, yeah, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Lorraine. I really, I just think she's very cool. And I think, <clears throat> I, I believe so wholeheartedly in that whole philosophy of keeping curious and looking outside yourself, especially as you get older. It's so vital. And it's going to be the thing that keeps you young, I reckon. Um, so yeah, it's just nice to have a lovely chat with a warm, uh, sensible person. That was a nice way to spend my time. So thank you to her for coming over. Um, thank you to you, as ever, for lending me your ears. Have I decided which one I'm putting out next week? No, I'm not sure that I have, actually. Richard and I are doing a bit of travelling this week, so I think we'll probably go for one that doesn't need too many edits. And one of the conversations I've recorded, um, the audio of me speaking didn't work. So I've got all of my guests' replies, but none of mine, my questions or responses to her can't answer so I have to I'm gonna have to re-record it and like be me again basically being like laughing at things and doing my little ad libs and stuff so that's going to be a bit weird the thing about me though is I'm very very predictable so I think I'll be able to mirror it pretty disappointingly accurately <laughs> no alarms and no surprises and, and I'll, I'll only tell you afterwards which one it was anyway I don't think I'll be doing that this week so in the meantime, have a good week. Um, I've packed all the raincoats for today, but hopefully, hopefully the weather gods will be kind. And uh, yeah, I will see you soon. Lots of love. See you back. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.